have two versions of the story, okay? Because I, my version is extremely, like, spiritual, what happened next. And I literally get tears in my eyes every single time I remember this. And Mo's version is extremely medical, to the point, and makes a lot of sense. So I guess <laughs> you could hear both our versions and then uh, decide which one you believe. Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. The Jewish weekly day of rest, Shabbos, is so precious and sacred. However, many women find it challenging to refrain from applying makeup on this festive day, and some are even hesitant to leave the house. Enter Seventh Day Shine, a revolutionary skincare and makeup line that can be applied on Shabbos while keeping halacha. Their foundation, blush, bronzer, eyeshadow, and eyeliner and lip powders come in a huge array of colors, and their application brushes are so luxurious. My favorite product is Luminosity, an intensely hydrating and refreshingly scented serum that's especially formulated for permissible application on Chavez. Check out their full line on SeventhDayShine.com. That's the number 7, T-H-D. D-A-Y-S-H-I-N-E dot com and enter Birthway 10 for 10% off your purchase. Find the link in the episode show notes. It takes time and practice to master the skill of the newborn swaddle. So here's my hack. Go to elliesandco.com. Among their full line of gorgeous, high-quality baby bedding and lay assets, you will find adjustable swaddle blankets that take out all the guesswork. With a pocket for baby's legs and adjustable wings with secure closures, your baby's swaddle will be perfect every time. Go to elliesandco.com. That's E-L-Y-S-A-N-D-C-O.com and enter BW10 for 10% off your purchase. Link in the episode show notes. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Birthway Podcast. Today, I am going to be interviewing Shira and Mo Schenberger on their birth experiences of their three children. Welcome to the show, Shira and Mo. Hey, hey. hey. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know it's super hectic for you having a new baby and everything. And I really can't wait to hear your unique experiences. So how old are your three beautiful children? Why don't you take this one since I still have mom brain. <laughs> Do you remember their birthdays? Yeah, I, I have the whole old database backed up. And uh, so we've got our oldest, Rafi, um, who is 10. I was born in November. Then we have Daniela, who just turned nine uh, in April, um, and uh, Ariel Sophia, who is now uh, almost three and a half months old today. Who still goes by her first name, her full name, because she's so brand new. <laughs> she's so little with a big name. It's a beautiful name, and all of your kids are so beautiful. I really enjoy following your Instagram account and seeing them. So you guys have a few unique experiences that I would love to talk about. Um, first of all, I know that Shira, your husband Mo, is Dr. Mo Schenberger, neonatology fellow, right? Which means that he's almost done his uh, crazy long training to become 
a neonatologist, which is first going to med school, then becoming a pediatric resident, and then further training as a neonatologist, correct? correct. In other words, it's kind of like, finally. <laughs> but yes, you're, you say it clearer. <laughs> the end is finally starting to be a little visible. How much longer do you have, Mo? Uh, one more year. This is uh, going into my last year now. Can't uh, pass fast enough, no. right, Shira? <laughs> no. Almost basically mentally checked out to move on already. So it's really just the time constraints right now. So this is spanning like a 10 year training period. And as you said, your Rafi is 10 years old. So when you had him, your first, then was Mo in medical school already? Um, it was about the year before. Rafi was eight months old when I started medical school. Yeah, so we were in the process of like applying, um, you know, doing all that fun stuff. Yeah, while being pregnant and having yeah. him. So why don't you start from the beginning? Let me hear. Where do we start from? <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the most like intriguing thing when I think back to like these stories is just like the major difference between like our kind of relationship and where we were and like going into the hospital and experiencing the whole thing. Um, you know, on one end of things where Mo was like applying to med school, um, you know, he was basically pre-med, like hopeful eyes and all that stuff. And then towards the end, like, you know, this last um, pregnancy delivery, which was a whole, whole other thing um, where there was just like a whole different experience, you know, even just simply like where Mo was. It was like coming full circle. Yeah, very much so. Where were you guys living? We were in Brooklyn. Honestly, the pregnancy was kind of uneventful. Like, I was so young. We had just gotten married. Um, I got pregnant like three months in. Um, and so, like, it was really sudden and new. And I just remember, like, my one day I, like, realized I was pregnant. And I called my mom and I was just like, how? So fast. And she was like, how? Are you, are you really asking me that question? <laughs> Let me tell you how things work. Does Mo want to go to medical school? He needs to learn. Basically. <laughs> is, is basically what she said. But either way, um, the actual pregnancy was kind of uneventful. Like, I don't even really... Yeah, I mean, I was bad. nauseous. Then I wasn't. I had energy. I remember, like, not... You're going to work and Yeah, everything. like, whatever. That, that part kind of is like a blur. Uneventful is good. Uneventful is great, and you know, time kind of passed. Um, the real fun part of the story begins, um, I guess, like the month before. Uh -huh. um, you started to bug out. Exactly. And you were done with the pregnancy. Oh my yep, god, I'm exactly. so done. I'm sure lots of you guys can relate. <laughs> Do you know why the last trimester is so hard? Why? Because otherwise, no one would want to go into labor. It's true. Yeah, there's like <laughs> impending doom. There is. There's the feeling of like, I just want it to be over. That's it. Um, whether you're so scared or not, you still just want it to be over. Um, but basically, what happened to me was I, um, you know, looking back, I now can tell you this, um, was that I had started having um, like gallstone pain. But I didn't know this <laughs> because it was my first pregnancy. And, um, you know, I would go to my mom's house like those last couple of weekends and uh, we would eat the chalent. And um, after I would be like, wow, like my stomach really hurts. And my mom would be like, yay, contractions. <laughs> and really, no, it was not contractions. It was gallstones. Oh, so no one really knew, and that was kind of brewing for a while. Um, yeah. It's like a mix of heartburn and 
and um, different types of abdominal pains over the course of uh, months and and then the weeks prior it's getting more intense and and we were just like none the wiser we were like yeah like this is how it's supposed to go right like it's supposed to hurt so like this is the deal and so yeah there's such a variety of like aches and pains in pregnancy like heartburn like you said yeah so like i'm sure we looked it up and we were like oh you know is this normal is this not like you know we we had our eyes kind of wide open but Mm -hmm. still like it just it, it came so suddenly and so fast when 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 it hit the fan finally mm-hmm. <laughs> but basically it was a whole experience in itself of course i mean yeah. as as we're talking i'm thinking of like oh the whole raising the kids and going through med school and residency life and moving back and forth up and down all these things is a whole entire story in its own but these birth stories definitely are as well they're their own let alone chapters they're books and um that that one our first one was definitely um has been the taker you know for yeah. sure so basically the night before my due date okay it was a moti chavez a saturday night and um i was like i'm done i am done 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 like all the real duns and i had read um you know if you eat a pineapple things will help and move and just go and so that is what i decided to do the thing is is that i didn't know that i was having gallstone pain which was probably like the silliest thing i could have done because what happened was i ended up going to full-blown gallstone attack i mean it's not your fault so it wasn't it wasn't silly it just was the most inconvenient thing you could have done (laughs) (laughs) oh it's never her fault it basically, in other words. Um, so that night I like woke up, like I was feeling sick from, I don't know, for a couple of hours. And then I finally woke up just like vomiting every, like nonstop um, and really having some intense pain. And I like turned to Mo, it must've been, I don't know, like one, two, that's yeah. when these things like suddenly- Almost midnight or- Like after. plateau, yeah. exactly. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. Right. I mean, it's it the was, due date, here yeah. we go. Exactly, it was the day before the date and like all of a sudden there's this immense amount of uh, like stomach pain it's got to be in our first so it's like this has got to be labor real active labor yeah uh, so yes we jump in the car and we rush to the hospital yeah and i was in crazy pain i remember you were like registering me and i was just like oh my god i'm dying you were literally crying it was it's it's the worst pain um and again retroactively i know this now like people actually say it's worse than birth and i have to say it is. It actually is. <laughs> it was terrible. You you can actually say it having experienced both. <laughs> yes. Um, at the same time, like meaning to say I gave birth very shortly after. So what happened was is that we went in and that you, was... You got registered, you got admitted, you got evaluated and... Um, Were you having contractions that they could have attributed to the pain to? No. So that was the first thing they checked. And she wasn't having any active contractions. Um, she was dehydrated a little. A um, lot, a lot. Because the, the second thing they decided to do was put in an IV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just couldn't. Yeah, that was, and it was a, horrible. That was really there was no veins, right? Because I had just kept throwing up like multiple times on the way there, you know. And so there was just none veins, not even a one in sight. 
And then finally, well, this is the other crazy story. Like, again, it was like a Saturday night. And I'm sure as someone who works in hospitals, you know who's running the teams on a Saturday night. Who's running the teams in general, like the residents. And um, (laughs) they basically were just like, you know, they finally got it in and not even a comfortable place. They had to stick it like in the in like the shelf of my arm versus like the hand, which is much more comfortable. And it was basically like the weekend and that type of like vibe. And so it the vibe was that this was like a major inconvenience for everyone that was there. They were like, oh, on a weekend? Like really? Like you should have waited till Monday. Because, you know, babies just come on a schedule. So like, let's shut down the unit for a day. You know, I always say, let's shut down the unit for lunch. Like just one hour. Give me an hour, you know? Exactly. That's what we need. And so the beginning of like the horror story, besides for the immense amounts of pain that I was in, the nurse who, um, finally got the IV in I don't know what happened but suddenly like her hand slipped and the uh like the IV was in but not the cover piece so suddenly there was just like blood like open arteries everywhere (laughs) and it was really intense there was just like blood blood I don't know if you've ever seen this before You had a good vein so you know yes I've seen it before so that was like step one of like it getting it, it working its way up here to like the, it working its way up there to the actual like craziness because the next thing that happened is they decided to like give me some medicine and um you know like mo is like pre-med so he's like standing on the side all like i know where the linen closet is because i <laughs> have volunteered. i volunteered here before and um Basically, they gave me like pain meds and then they came back a little while later. I guess that's what they came back for, right? For the ultrasound. But either way, there was this, yeah, probably like intern who was there. And while he was there, just being all super like snippy and annoyed. Uh, I think it was was a team of people. It had to have been at least three people. And so this is like one in the morning, Sunday morning. Uh, so I'd have to say it was either like one of the senior residents or maybe it was whichever attending was in-house at that moment. But either way, they come in, they're evaluating and they're checking things and they do a quick ultrasound. Everything with the baby's fine, thank God. And uh, and, that, and the tachometry, the, the, she's not reading with any contractions. The heart rate is fine and uh, that's like, yeah, they're like, well, you're having stomach pains. It has nothing to do with, with labor or the baby. Um, she got Percocet, and we remember distinctively it was this little blue, it was a blue-coated pill. And um, and as and, they're standing there and yeah, they're talking, they're like, 10, 15 minutes they're just like disgusting. It, five minutes after you got it, actually. Let me guess, you vomited blue all over them. Yeah, but but Shira like sits up saying, I, I don't feel well. I, don't, I feel like, like I, I'm going to vomit. Is, it's not. And they were like completely ignoring her. Like they weren't even hearing what she was saying. Like brushing while they were talking about what they think and what they want to do, and I'm the only one listening. Thank God. <laughs> and so I quickly get you know a little kidney bin and bring it over to her just good in thing time. Good volunteered at the hospital and knew like exactly. Where he knew where all the things were. It was right there. And, <laughs> it came in and handy. Just in Definitely. the nick of time, and everything goes in there, and they're like looking at it they were shook and they were shook they were like, actually shook this blue thing they were like her, oh, they were like they, they were literally like shrieking. hold on what is her this? vomit is blue <laughs> yeah like why oh my god 
this sounds like a and comedy show. This legit it sounds like it was. So this show. is me like covered in blood because you remember five minutes before the vein had popped open, and then now they're just like staring down at this blue bucket of they don't know what it is, and Moe's in the background like raising his little arm like Percocet. Excuse me, hello. <laughs> I know what it is. So, Mo, you are the smart genius of the bunch, and you know that the blue vomit is because of the Percocet. Did you tell them that? Yep. Yep, I did. I was like, she just had a pill that color. That's why surrounding it is green, and in the middle is this little blue ball. And at first, I I sort of remember them like not wanting to believe it, like or being skeptical. And then the nurse like uh, corroborated that. And said, yeah, she had just gotten like five-ish minutes ago uh, Percocet and Zofran and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, oh okay. Oh, that makes and that sense. Was, and, and, that, and then they just, they were done. They're like, okay, well, you're being treated. We know what everything is. You're not an act of labor. Um, we'll figure this out. Okay, you know. And thus began the longest night or the longest 24 hours of my life. So how did you feel? You just felt okay leaving the hospital with everything that was going on for you? No, I, no, oh, no, I did no, not leave. No, got, I could not she move. She got admitted in, in, uh, for the gallstone workup. Oh, okay. So they were, they were trying to rule it out already. They were at the point where they were suspecting it might be that. Yes, yes. So finding out exactly the history how you know how these pains have been over the last many weeks and months and where it was located and the associations and like okay well this definitely sounds like that could be that so ordered a formal you know abdominal liver gallbladder ultrasound and i remember we you know you were wheeled down in the stretcher and i, would, I was walking next to you and went down to radiology got the ultrasound done and i think i remember even the tech at that point in time saying oh yeah yeah it's gallstones and then by that time, it was already, you know, the next day into, you know, business hours, quote unquote, of Sunday. <laughs> Shira's OB came and she just settled a lot of things. She like put everything into perspective. And I guess you were hooked up already, you know, NPO, not allowed to eat, getting IV antibiotics and fluids and, and pain medication. That was pretty much what she was there for. She was wiped out. Like, she was just... It was terrible pain. Like, I I honestly do not remember everything that he just said in the last two minutes. I don't remember it. Zero recollection. I just remember lying in the bed and dying slowly and quickly (laughs) altogether. Um, And they couldn't really give me much of anything. And I just remember, like, even when they did give me something and there was, like, a little bit of relief, like, within the next next few hours, I'll be like, go, go, go tell them to make sure that that it comes in time because I can't wait in between. Like, go, go, go. And you were just like, I don't know anyone here. Like, I haven't even been to med school yet. And I was like, tell them that you're going to med school. Like... (laughs) I was like, tell them that you're going to med school. I like, didn't it's... tell any of them I was going to med school. <laughs> you were counting down the seconds until you can get the next pain medication. And what was the plan after they fit, found out that you had gallstones? They were waiting for the surgeon who was not right. going to be in until Monday morning, right? And they were just like, sorry. So the plan was surgery, though, at 39 plus weeks. No. They wanted the surgeon to come in and clear me for birth. For induction. For induction. Oh, I see. So they wanted you evaluated by the surgeon to determine whether surgery was necessary or not. Correct. Was there anything that needed to be done urgently or acutely at that moment? Or could the OB, as her plan, go ahead with induction of labor? The surgeon finally came. Did they get there? Yep, yep. The surgeon the surgeon himself came. He was really nice. And he said that she was 
very fine to go ahead with induction. Till that time, she was sort of like in this like pseudo room, like the one where the wall is just the curtain that slides back and forth kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. A kind of triage room, but it wasn't in the ERs. I guess it was an L&D type of triage room of some sort. Right. Yeah. So we have triage in in labor and delivery because I like to say that labor and delivery is an emergency department, ICU, medical surgical unit, all in one for pregnant women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you were kind of like probably not fully admitted. You were outpatient or observation and you were just waiting. They were waiting to figure out what they were going to do with you. Right. So then she got into um, her formal room, a room there. Um, and, uh, and that was, from what I remember, that was the long haul, you know, cause she's pre-migravid. This is her first baby. She's getting induced. So, I mean, I didn't know any of that then. None of us did. But we're like, okay, this this is going to be, okay, great. They're, they're going to induce the labor. Cool. Um, now I know why it took so long, <laughs> but it did. Yeah, so so small medical tidbit. I like to just put the little tidbits in for a first-time mom that's being induced, um, especially if her cervix is really close, thick and high. It's not abnormal for it to take like three days for it to happen. So um We'll hear your experiences, but it, it's not an abnormal thing. And sometimes it's medically necessary. Sometimes people opt for it, even if it's not, quote unquote, medically necessary. But um, after 39 weeks, they decide that they want to have an induction. But it's good to know that ahead of time, that it is normal having, having those expectations, which you guys didn't at that point, um, <laughs> which maybe was a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you were in for the long haul. How long did it take? Um... It took about a day. I want to say uh, the induction started mid-Sunday or so, and Rafi, Rafi was born late Monday morning. Okay, that's not bad. It's not too bad. Definitely not too bad. Definitely not three days. She would, did you have an epidural? Okay, so the reason why I'm staying so quiet throughout all this is because, honestly, I don't remember this part. No, she was out. She was wiped I out was, already. So after the so many hours... the pain and the pain medications Yeah, so after the so many hours of being in so much pain... Um, then they finally, when they induced me, they gave me, you're going to know what this is called. I don't, but they gave me like the one where you fall asleep during your contraction and you wake up during the terrible part of it, Fatal. which was, I don't recommend. People have very different reactions to it. it. A lot of people feel kind of like drunk. It's not going to fully take away the pain. It can make you feel like, like you don't care as much about the pain. Some people hate the feeling. So the thing that it did to me, what happened with my story is because I was already going on, must have been 24 hours of other pain medications and other and being in so much pain and I was so wiped that it actually put me to sleep. So I fell asleep and then whichever amount of minutes later when the contraction was at its height, I would just wake up screaming and then I would have no time to rest. As soon as it was over, I would just fall right back to sleep again. Like not falling back to sleep. I would just be out, like knocked out, wake up screaming, knocked out. Do you remember this one? Yeah, yeah, but that that you jumped a whole day ahead. But okay, fine. See, I don't remember. (laughs) That's that's where you are. But um, that's the next thing that I remember. Like after after that little triage room, that's uh the next thing I remember. So after the little triage room, you went to sort of this like side room. I remember had it had a sliding. you know, glass, you know, see-through door of the curtain, and you had your own bathroom there. Is that what you remember? (laughs) That's what I remember, because, and um, it was the middle of the night at that time and going into the day, and and so it was, there was no windows, it was dark, you couldn't tell what time it was, you couldn't tell what was 
going on anywhere else. It was like sort of in the corner of the unit. And I remember during that point in time in that room, you had the first um, cervical ripening medication for mm-hmm. with the induction. And cervical ripening, just medical tidbit, is to kind of get the cervix soft. It's not the actual active induction process yet of giving Pitocin. The oxytocin receptors in your uterus are not going to be um, sensitive to receive the actual Pitocin given for the induction. So first, we'd like to ripen your cervix. So uh, remember that. And so that was a weird experience for me as the the bystander husband. (laughs) But uh, and then also in that room, after there were some cervical changes obviously things opened up a little bit um where they um artificially broke her water that happened in that room as well the other two things that happened in that room was i went home at some point which was crazy and during the pregnancy we uh, earlier on we had found a doula and we had settled with her and um at that in that room there was one point in time where i guess there was sort of this perception that the labor was you know moving along and getting somewhere so i think we called her in and i, I remember i remember her being a little skeptical like oh that fast or something like that but but she did end up coming in and i remember she was by your side and and you were like go home and get certain things and, yeah. Look at you. You were so sound of mind even then, Shira. It was just very briefly. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure that I, I'd gone home for a very, very brief moment in time and quickly grabbed some more stuff and, and came back and you still, you weren't really doing anything. You were just wiped out. You were just sleeping. You were sleeping the entire time, uh, not able to eat during any of this time or anything. Yes, you're okay. I know, I know. She can interject with her little things. We hear you guys, so you can talk even with her, you know, doing her thing. Yeah. So now you had the doula. Mo came and went and back with Shira. So we get through the entire Sunday night. Um, doula came. She's like, okay, nothing's happening. So she went back home and um, came Monday morning in the middle of the morning, still in that room. Shira's out just sleeping. And she's getting poked and prodded when people come in, and then they leave. Um, and then we finally, Monday morning, uh, move up, move into uh, the nice, big, spacious, proper L&D room. So you're moving on up in the world, in the labor world. So you are already ruptured. You're on all your, your IV stuff. But now, I think you were probably like six or, or seven, six or so centimeters. Active labor. In active labor. So they moved her up to the uh, big room. Um, she was probably about five or six centimeters. And also gets the, um, the anesthesiologist to come put in the epidural. She would, did that help your gallstone pain too, the epidural? What do you remember? I don't remember that, that. Like, honestly, the the pain, I think the attack, I don't know how long these attacks last, but I want to say that it was, the pain was already getting less. Like, after that first hole, I think that's when it started going away. Yeah. So it's like waves. So you had a really intense wave, and then it started kind of dissipating. Yeah. So, like, I don't remember being in that terrible pain during the labor part. And that's why I say that first part was so much worse, because once I got the epidural... It was kind of smooth sailing. Right. And you, and you also segued into the epidural with IV uh, pain medications. So, yeah. like, she sort of had that bridge. 
You were, you had all the pain meds on board. Yeah, 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 exactly. But the one really horrible thing is that again, we were I don't know what it was. It was either the team that was in the hospital then or the I don't know, the time of day or like what the deal was, but for some reason it wasn't like well coordinated and so I did not get a catheter together with my epidural. They were like, It's coming. And so here I was just peeing everywhere. Um, but it's and not okay even knowing that you I were. I was already, right? Like backtrack, covered in blood, and then vomit. vomit. And so this, and this was just like, just another. It was the only other bodily fluid that was missing. Yeah. So my question though is, is was it pee or was it amniotic fluid? Because once your water is broken, you're just going to keep on leaking that amniotic fluid. Probably a little bit of both. Plot twist here. Ten years later, you know, <laughs> you, you discovered that maybe it was really amniotic fluid after all. Right. Let us just sum it up yeah. that it was mighty gross. Yeah. It was not so. like spa-like at all. <laughs> I was just lying there. And um, back to Mo's expertise, like his level of expertise right then was finding closets of things. Okay. Yeah. This is where he was. So I found that was the way that he all the towels help. and all the chucks. So and he all was the... like, I know I've seen, there's a cart in the hallway. Listen, you were a lot more useful than many husbands, Mo. So, you know, kudos, Shira. Yeah, I, I guess so. I and guess so. So exactly. Like he changed all the sheets and he really, he had it going on. It was, it was really, <laughs> it worked. You, were, you guys were star patients. I mean, patients who like change their own sheets. I asked dads a lot of times to help me out when I need to change uh, the linen on a mom who can't move with an epidural. But like, this is like game changer. I mean, independent, super independent there, you know? Like you practically didn't need a nurse. <laughs> yeah. Then I guess goes the part where I was waking up and falling asleep. Yes, I guess that's right. So then, then came the part where the active labor was progressing and we sort of hit this like plateau where Shira was like staying at 7 cm's like she wouldn't get past it the contractions were significant um and by the, the way there was no doula there at the point because she, she had been back? stressing me out because she was like you paid for 5 hours this is what you get call me when you're ready to give birth and i just kind of i think in the back of my mind i was like okay and then I just forgot about her because it was too strict. You think I could keep track of the amount you, of time or like when it would happen or... Right. It but was she just, did come back in Which time was for, a, a whole other weird story. She was there. She, your mom she, was like, there. She entered the room like as the child was... Oh, really? Yes. Uh -huh. I remember that. I remember it really clearly because um, I remember that her name was Leah and my mom has a really good friend, Leah. And after all these hours, it was finally time to give birth. And I was, they were like, okay, and push. And I'll tell you the rest of the story in a minute. But it was finally time to push. And my mom's like, oh, Leah's here. And I was like, what? Why? Why is your friend here? <laughs> like, I didn't even, like, I had, the doula had gone so far back in the <laughs> list of, like, things that, like, my mom's friend seemed more like an appropriate person to show up at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, so that was also funny in itself because I had only realized which Leia it was like, after I had given birth. I, like, looked up and I was like, oh, I thought Leia was here. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, that was... That was different because it, she was definitely there. It was because your mom was on your left side. Your, she was on the right side. The rest of the team was around. And I was in the corner. <laughs> and we'll get to that in, in, in a bit. Yeah. But um, we sort of hit this plateau where she wasn't, uh, she wasn't dilating anymore past 7 cm's. 
and the contractions were significant enough that um, Rafi started to have significant decelerations, and that's where his, you know, the fetal heart rate goes down significantly after a contraction completely occurs and not appropriately with a contraction or early. Um, and uh, so it's a, it's a sign of, uh, of fetal distress. And so the team started to assess you a little bit more frequently. And uh, I don't know what other nuances they may have done, shifting her, giving her a bolus or adjusting the Pitocin, but... He's saying this now. I'm saying this in realized. hindsight now. I would have expected some of those things to maybe have occurred, but all I know is that they were coming in and they were checking her fairly frequently, and at one point, the, the attending OB was there, and, and it wasn't Shira's proper OB that had been following her. It was one of the three of the practice. So we had met her before, but... Um, Not the primary one that you had seen throughout the pregnancy. Correct. So, but she was concerned enough that, and I remember this stuck in my mind where um, she told the, the charge nurse to have the OR ready and prepped. Oh boy. Because if these were to persist, then we'd have to go for C-section. Yeah. And, and um, that was like a super intense couple of minutes because yeah. they were just like C-section and my heart started beating really fast. And I was just like, I don't want this. And that fear and just this is not what we planned for and I, I literally started freaking out like i i don't want this i don't want to do yeah. this i don't want to do this I think it's, oh. yeah it was, I think it that, was that's that was saying. when we, like, I just, I we really started to feel the tension this. in the room and uh yes definitely from sheer standpoint of undergoing a procedure that was very very serious we have two versions of the story okay because i my version is extremely like spiritual what happened next and I literally get tears in my eyes every single time I remember this. And Mo's version is extremely medical to the point and makes a lot of sense. So I guess <laughs> you could hear both our versions and then uh, decide which one you believe. Um, <laughs> but basically, the next thing that happened, right? So I'm like freaking out saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I remember that in my two, three weeks before my due date, I had listened to this whole entire like speech, like a share. I don't even remember the whole thing, to be really really honest but the one thing that I walked away from it was um, it was talking about how you know God gives us these like trials and he wants us to be close to him like it's the one time in your life like even if you don't go through you know different traumatic events in your childhood or growing up or whatever this is the one time where you're like dependent on him like you can't control the situation you just cannot so you can actually like I, I very much internalize that and one of the things that it said in this um, speech was so if you encounter something that um, just seems like you can't do you don't want to do you're done you're freaking out just say like I give it to God like I agree it's gonna happen it's okay here we go it's supposed to be that way it's the surrender the act of surrender to God exactly and so that's how you were feeling at that point. You were like accessing that inspiration that you heard and you were just saying, God, I surrender to whatever you plan for me at this moment. Yeah, I took a deep breath and I was like, I'm going to stop saying that I can't do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Here we go. And so the doctor then came forward and she was like, OK, I'm going to do one last check. And then, you know, if we have to go in, we have to go in. They turn on all the lights and it seemed like they were literally waiting to like roll me away. And she quickly checked me and she was like, oh my God, 
10 centimeters dilated. The baby's about to be born. Here we go. And I pushed twice and he was born. Wow. And that's the crazy story. How many pushes? Twice, right? Yeah. Like two, it was like two, a, two or three at most. Yeah. It was literally, yeah. It was like was 15. Really yeah, it was like 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes of the actual like pushing. Wow. Yeah. For a first time. Wow. Wow. You know, sometimes babies have significant D-cells when the baby descends very quickly. Um, and I wonder if that was also part of what was going on. I believe he had a nuchal cord times one. So cord around the neck, yep. Together with that descent that may have contributed to that as well. And one third of babies are born, as you, mo you know, probably Mo, one third of babies are born with some cord wrapped around some kind of body part. Um, but a lot of times it just, it doesn't affect things as much. If it's super tight and, and it is putting the baby in distress, that's a different story. But not every cord around the neck does. Here it sounds like it was kind of iffy, but uh, he made it out. Two pushes and he made it out breathing yeah, and all that. Yeah, I, I remember they they had the the Pete's team, the, Pete, the NICU team, called everyone in there was literally at least 10 plus people in the room um it was very intense it was, it was very like intense very yeah high energy of people who were very concerned yeah like, i remember uh that exact version <laughs> they came in and she checked one more time and she's like oh it's it's nine Oop, whoops it's ten <laughs> and uh and then the pushing began and and it really I remember I was in the corner because there was no room at the bed anymore, and I was in the corner. I was literally just just praying. I was just praying, 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 and then. And then why don't you say the disappointing medical version of the story that you think what happened? What I, I said? <laughs> what do you mean? Do I you said not that, remember this? Said that they came in. They said nine, and then opened it to ten, and exactly. that was it. Okay, yeah. now you're not being dramatic about it, but oh. basically, um, when I was, you know, we were like saying our birth story um, this other time before you gave this news to me and you okay. were like, no, 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 it wasn't like, it didn't just happen. He was like, they went in there, yanked you open and the baby came out. I give you credit, Shira. I think it was all you. <laughs> I'm going with that one. <laughs> I'm going with my version of the story. That's, that her is the version one. is a good version. You know what? It doesn't matter what version it is. What matters is, is that he came out safely. He came out you know, how you had hoped he would come out um, healthy and crying. You didn't, you, you were able to avoid the C-section. If you would have needed it, it's a wonderful gift to have, but you were able to avoid it. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters. It was beautiful. And I love the spirituality involved. I'm, myself can not be very spiritual when I'm in labor. I'm very primal. So that's really beautiful. I love hearing when women do access that spirituality. So Mo, you were saying that you were in the corner over there. Was there any other like additional detail about the being in the corner? Oh, I, I was, I was literally crying and, and davening, like literally that's, you we're know. We're a very spiritual duo. We, we are, <laughs> we, we are very connected to our, our higher powers. Yeah, you are. And, and Shira, I don't know if you remember him davening, but I feel so supported when my husband davened, and daven means pray for those who aren't affiliated. I felt so supported because there's really very little that a, a husband can do at that point. And um, there's really so little that we have control over. So you feel like this is some form of control of influence, spiritual influence that you have over the birth. Yeah. yeah um, uh, and, and it definitely was amplified by the tension um, in the room. And um, 
Yeah, they the just whole, wanted to get him out. I think yeah. they even used a vacuum, so he they was def- kind of like yeah. a conehead. He had he definitely had significant molding. That wasn't fun. <laughs> and um, AKA conehead. Um, so he had a little bit of swelling at the top of his head from from the vacuum. But he was very cute. He was very cute when he came out, and that was so amazing because he came out and he did so well. He cried. He looked great. I wanted to give him Apgar's of 11 and 11, but that wasn't allowed back then. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but as quick as all those people came in, once he was out and he was on the warmer, he got assessed by the team. Within a few minutes, they were out and gone because, thank God, he, did, he looked so good and definitely so grateful um, about that. And Shira, did you feel like it was just all worth it as soon as you saw him? Did you feel that instant connection or were you one of those people that just had so much going on and so, so much involvement that it was like kind of hard to be in the moment? Yeah. So I'll honestly say, um, this is like a tough one for me, this question, because in all, like my first two, you know, like I have a 10 and a nine year old and then I have this new baby and just in general the whole outlook of the whole pregnancy the whole wanting a child the whole you know the first two I kind of did out of obligation it was kind of like I didn't have so many supporting people being like you don't have to right now like it's cool it was kind of just the done thing um so yeah I go over that in my my second and third birth stories episode we talk about that too my husband and I Um, And I think that also attributed to um, like postpartum depression, like I definitely had. Um, And then I kind of continued into my next pregnancy. Like by the time Rafi was eight months old, I was already pregnant again. Um, And those were just, you know, long years. So, you know, I guess I would say not connected in short. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'd like to segue into that where you had quite a significant amount of years of a break between your second and your third. And I'm sure given you're just in a different decade of life with so much more wisdom and maturity, and I'm sure that the whole experience of having a child and consciously um, making that choice and decision was very different. And also I think it's exciting when you have older kids that are old enough to understand. And I think further enough from the baby to not really feel a lot of jealousy. I'm sure that that was a different experience as well. And you were going through a harder time when I think that in each stage of the medical training, you have just a little bit more control over your life. So like when you're pre-med and in medical school, you have like zero control of your life, like residency, maybe a tiny drop more. And I don't know about fellowship. I'm hoping a tiny drop more. I don't know. But, um, you know, how, how was that process just briefly, because we're running out of time, but just briefly with your last um, baby, can you highlight some major uh, differences in the experience yeah do you want to go first <laughs> do you have anything to um, say like how was it for you mo you're a neonatologist you know and see all the things that you see that are unpleasant to say the least and sometimes it's scary having so much knowledge myself when i was pregnant with my last one i was a labor and delivery nurse i kind of blocked that out i actually had to do my neonatal resuscitations recertification at 39 <laughs> weeks um and what i held on to was that you know 90% of babies come out breathing on their own so but um was it any different for you having all that medical knowledge so many years later definitely definitely I mean I definitely want to um agree with that aspect of um like planning and choosing to go through with becoming pregnant and having a baby 
So that was in itself like set a tone for the entire uh, pregnancy. But for me, the highlighted difference, especially due to my experiences as a neonatal doctor, is every stage, right? So the first trimester into the second trimester, successfully passing into it and being, okay, great. But then literally from 23 weeks on, uh, 22 weeks even, I've seen, I've taken care of these babies and knowing what they need, um, sometimes it doesn't go so well. And it was literally every week of gestation that passed was another sigh of relief. And Shira... Yeah, I was all, like, happy. Like, I would be watching the little videos, like, it's so cute, it's so cute. Like, look, our baby's fatter this week. And he would be like, past week 27. Right. And I think that the weeks between 22 and 28 weeks, I think, are probably, like, the most nerve-wracking weeks because that's the period of time where a baby can is viable. They can survive, but the complications are the greatest yep. at that point. And um, it, it's just like after 28 weeks, they just have a much better chance of survival um, and you know making it good with without other yeah. deficits. Would you agree with that? Like somewhere like between that 22 to 28 week mark. Yeah. So that was that was definitely it. As as soon as we got into that past that uh, 22, 23 week mark, I was like, okay, let's get to 26 weeks. Let's get to 28 weeks. And then we got to 28 weeks. I'm like, let's just get to 32 weeks, okay? Let's do 32 weeks. And then Shira, because Shira would be like, well, what's your experience with the 28 weekers, the 30 yeah. weekers, the 31 weekers? Like, oh, this kid, we have this one that <laughs> does so well and didn't even need any intubation, breathing tube, did fine with that. And I'm like, no, no. Let's get to 32. Let's get to 34. Okay, we're at 34. In... Let's get to 36. Once we're at 36, then I started to calm down just a little bit. Yeah, because I'm saying that this was also happening in real time for him. Like, he was going to work and actually dealing with these kids who were the same ages. I remember at one point, we were fetus. like, that's our baby's age. Don't give birth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, I don't know the details if you had a healthy pregnancy or not, but, uh, you know, from what I, from what I've, I've known, it seems like your pregnancy was pretty straightforward and uncomplicated. Um, but yet, and you had no history Correct. of premature labor or anything, but yet as a neonatologist who knows so much, you're just worried because you see a lot of things more than the average person. So you can't live in that well land like most of us you know, do. Yeah. Like I know the statistics, I know what's common, but nonetheless, there's always those that don't follow the book there. They, you know, there's yeah. a mom that could be, you know, very, very multi uh, parody and she's already had, you know, five, six, seven kids. And that increases risk for prematurity itself. So one of them is premature and to what degree we don't know. It can be various, but it's, yeah. uh, you never know. Yeah. You never, never know. Yeah, birth is birth is in the hands of God. That's For it. Sure. So the more we learn, the more we know how little we know. And I'm so grateful to science and and all of the advances that we have today to be able to keep even smaller and smaller babies alive, but um, just so much that we don't know. So, so much to be grateful for when things go Correct. well and right, like it did for you, right? Yeah, thank goodness. And then did you give birth in the same hospital that Mo works? No, <laughs> um, one closer to, to home. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think it was worth it. Again, because things were going so well um, and I had a really great provider that I liked and it was just, again, so close to home. I just, I went for that because like his work is like 45 minutes away and I didn't want to deal with like 
the traveling and also traveling into appointments. Yeah. yeah there was no there was no need like the, she had a good OB and we went to the hospital that he was affiliated his is affiliated at and it happens to be the closest one to us and so that all worked out really well um she actually even got induced in order to comply with Mo's schedule exactly um, that being said even though i was so chill and unwanted a hospital here um i was still so nervous because he was on service so i did get induced and i it was worth it another it mode was, of gaining control over this uncertain yeah. experience, you know, process. So it did take a long time, and my doctor warned me, and I was like, "It's fine, like I'll I'll do it." Although I didn't believe him, I was like, "It's fine, like you'll see." Well, <laughs> it's we, gonna be shorter. We than didn't you believe think. him because Daniela, our second, was induced as well, and actually went. That was a really great birthing experience for sure because yeah. she she recalls this experience and she's always smiling ear to ear, so you know it was a it good was. experience. I'll tell it to you in a nutshell. <laughs> Woke up in the morning, went into the hospital, got induced. Six hours later, she was born after also like 10 minutes of pushing. Awesome. <laughs> so that was a really fun story. Sounds like as like like she made up for everything you went through with Ralphie. She did. Oh my God, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After first babies, moms typically have faster labors. But when there's been a break of over five years, sometimes they can act as if it's their first baby again. So that's probably what happened. We never know how it will go. It can go, you know, fast, right in order of, of not having their first. But sometimes moms can act as if it's their first. So it's possible that that was it. But, you know, you've you've gone through, you had inductions before, you had successful vaginal deliveries, and you had personal life circumstances. And, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm so happy that everything went so well and nice for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was also like kind of interesting. So besides for the amount of time, um, it was kind of cool going in with Mo who like, this is his deal. Like he just knew what was going on. I mean, I felt like I had like, it took 12 hours, the whole thing. It was, it was a long time. Um, but I really did have that care the whole entire time. Like I decided obviously not to go for a doula again <laughs> after that first time, that ridiculous first time where she didn't really do much and then I thought she was my mom's friend. So again, <laughs> didn't really do much. And so, um, yeah, Mo was just there the whole time and he kind of, you know, he's able to read all the charts and things and I don't know, monitors. just like the monitors and know what's going on and it was kind of smooth sailing. It felt a little bit like you were an insider. Yeah. 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 Now, I want to ask you, Shira, did that help after you had the baby with taking care of the baby? Like, did it help that Mo has all that experience with babies? Oh, it still helps till today. Like, I always laugh and I'm like, we're never sick because like, you know, like we, us, my children, like, I mean, Mo just takes one look and he's like, you're not dying. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I know what dying looks like. Same. My kids' hands have to, like, their arm has to be half off of their body in order for them to, mm-hmm, exactly, got the whole <laughs> medical kit and everything. But I mean, even just with, like, the baby care, the transition with having a newborn, like, just swaddling the baby and holding the baby and changing the baby's diapers. Some dads, like, are just scared or unwilling to do it. Oh, yeah. So Mo is actually uh, pretty bragful of his swaddling capabilities. Yeah. I think he goes up against the nurses sometimes. Mm. Um, so <laughs> mad skills i've won some some uh, some awards for my swaddling capabilities yes oh wow okay 
as as well as my unswaddling capabilities, you know, when I need to examine the babies and stuff. <laughs> they go hand in hand. Right, just right when the baby fell asleep, yep. then you open the baby yep. up to That's examine right. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know about that. Exactly, right after they fell asleep, right after they ate, right after all of that. Yeah, and I'm sure it's so hectic and busy with everything, Shira. So, you know, I'm going to let you go because I know how, how crazy things have been. Thank you so much for taking up the time. I just wanted to also give you a shout out on your incredible things that you do, all the art that you put out there. Um, I came to know you for your famous chalas um, that you make. I haven't seen them in a while. I know it's hectic with the baby and now you're pursuing something, another project, but your gorgeous, colorful chalas um, that were (laughs) were themed for different weeks in the Parshan. And, And they're just stunning with the gold and everything, incredible. And now you are doing your amazing gorgeous beautiful art that i cannot wait to have one of your pieces i want an original like i'm holding out for an original on my wall it is absolutely gorgeous i hear you we already discussed this i know what you want <laughs> yes i, I want the the shifra and pua the midwives you know that so we'll, we'll make it happen um but you know now i know it's so hectic and crazy but i just love watching all of your things and what is your new art um, account name on Instagram. Okay, so it's at the Shira Shen Collection. The Shira Shen Collection, and I'm going to put that up on the show notes. And your uh, original account is It's a Confetti Party, yeah. where you can see all of Shira's other shenanigans. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, do you have a website too? Not currently. Not at the Still moment. working on it. It's so new. Like, I literally just released this art thing um, a month ago. So pretty pretty do yeah well it's incredible it is just so so beautiful thank i love you. your you. spirituality i i just i i really it inspires me you have just a really beautiful way of living jewish you know for lack of a better way to put it and um i, I just really love it so much so thanks again for joining thank you thanks for having us thanks and for listening. having us Thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. Head over to Yolwedit Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement, and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience.